Hello, welcome to Ruth Bear's Witness, the podcast, where you can listen to my stories I've written in my blog posts. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled, Speaking the Truth from My Dreams, a post formerly called, Speaking of Racial Injustice, Learn to Listen. I find myself enjoying my last day of vacation. The golden sunshine of my hometown warming my shoulders as I check the time, I calculate when I need to leave for the airport. And then I remember, I haven't seen everyone I came here to see. I grab my cell phone and begin frantically searching my contact list for all the friends and family I forgot to contact while I was here. I wanna see them after so much time has passed. I haven't hugged the shoulders of so many since before cancer treatment and then COVID. But as I send text after text, desperately trying to see everyone at the last minute, I fear the damage I have caused to each one with my negligence with my silence. Before I know it, I've scrambled in vain and I am boarding my flight heading home. The tears fall in torrents as I stare out the window. So many missed opportunities left on the tarmac. And then I wake up from this dream, countless mornings in these past months, the pit of my failure and disappointment drape my spirit like a hangover. I've had many dreams over the years, sitting up with a start in the middle of the night with an insight or a new understanding or truth the Lord is trying to reveal to me, but this one I could not wrap my head around. It was on repeat every night. I realized God was trying to get my attention with this, but to what end? Where do I apply it? I'm already doing what I can, what I'm confident He is calling me to do. So I talked to a wise woman of faith who is on a similar journey and in the same spirit as me. She reminded me of the story of Samuel and Eli. Samuel hears a voice calling his name over and over in the night, and he gets out of bed to find Eli. But Eli has not called him. And three times this happens through the course of the night until Eli realizes that the Lord is calling Samuel. Eli tells Samuel what to do. When he calls you, he says, tell him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm not suggesting that I'm anything like Samuel, far from it, but I cannot shake the feeling that I have to speak truth and time is running out before something. What? I'm not really sure. I've been trying to make sense of the fact that I walk in two worlds of oppression. I'm an ordinary upper middle class white woman with all the privilege and safety nets that come with that position in society. But. For my children, things out of their control slam us into worlds and experiences hidden from most upper-middle-class white families. Worlds where the systems that we contribute to and are supposed to help us actually work against us. Nearly 13 years ago, my husband and I adopted a little boy from West Africa. We approached the process with our eyes wide open. I'd been studying and engaging in social justice issues from both a global and local perspective all through college. I took college courses on African-American psychology. I surrounded myself with friends whose parents and grandparents had immigrated from all over the world. We took intensive courses about adoption and more specifically, how to raise children of color. We did all the things to prepare ourselves to have a healthy multiracial family. We learned and learned and learned some more. 
And then we had trial by fire when this beautiful child entered our world. And we continue to learn every day because this is messy and it is so complicated. But it has enriched and expanded our world in ways never imagined. The heartache that comes with the constant bombardment of racism and how it impacts our family is beyond profound. When we open our mouths to speak, most white folks won't listen. Instead, they tell us we are wrong as though we are not capable, reasonable adults able to decipher with wisdom the difficulty of navigating the world as a multiracial family. It's like calling me a liar. So we mostly suffered in silence. What I didn't grasp back then, and I'm only just discovering in these past weeks and months of working more intensely in racial justice, is that the wider my eyes continue to open, the more I learn, I see God whittling away at the aspects of my identity and surrounding relationships that I once held dear. If I'm going to follow Jesus down the path of racial justice, of seeing all people the way he does, and fighting on behalf of the voiceless and the oppressed, and giving them space to speak as well, I have to die to myself. My identity can no longer hold allegiance with an ideology outside the gospel, not with a political party, not with a racial group, not even with relationships around me. If they hold higher importance than listening to and bearing the grief of my son or my fellow black and brown brothers and sisters in Christ and working for racial justice alongside them, then I have to rid myself completely of anything that will stand in the way. Mark 10.21 says, Then Jesus, looking at him, a young rich ruler, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and come take up your cross and follow me. The phrase whatever you have is not merely talking about material possessions, but anything that gets in the way of following Jesus. When I listen to my son or my friends of color or I grieve injustice that continues to run rampant, my heart physically aches. Adoption means to take as one's own. My child's pain is my pain. I identify with him. He and I both know that he has a one in three chance of going to jail sometime in his life, even if he obeys all the laws. The idea is terrifying. When Jesus looks at the lives destroyed in Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or any of the thousands of black men unjustly locked up in jails all over our country, It's in grossly disproportionate numbers to their demographic. Black men make up 6% of the population, but 40% of the U.S. inmates. God is not pleased. His heart is broken for them. When I hear people who have not experienced the underside or the ugly side of racism and carelessly disregard, or worse, express disgust at the outcry of pain and oppression, I'm appalled and angered. I've been silent in my fear of rocking the boat, of losing relationships, or even my status. And that is grievously wrong of me. When I first began facilitating the racial reconciliation groups in my church, I prayed that God would help me overcome my fear in speaking the truth. It has been a very painful process, and he is not finished with me. And even now as I advocate for my children's needs and extend it out to try and speak to the needs of the people like them, I point out what is so obvious to us, but no one is listening. No one cares at all. 
They just dig in and deny what they don't understand or can't see for themselves. In my dream, it was clear that I have an important job to do, to speak the truth. I have come to terms with the fact that even if I do so, it's possible that nobody will listen. But white people desperately need to do that very thing very soon. Listen. If a group of people is crying out for help and no one is listening, how can they live freely? They can't live in peace. So I will cling to God's commands at the beginning of Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. So whatever it costs me, even if all refuse to hear, I will obey. No justice, no peace. For more resources about racism in America, you can visit my blog post speaking the truth from my dreams and click on the links that I have there for you. To read or listen to more Ruth Bear's Witness stories, please visit ruthbearswitness.wordpress.com. Thanks for joining me today. Take care and God bless.